It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Welcome back to the, uh, you know, to the to the show that we're doing right now. Following the local teams, breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. There's going to be much higher expectations, sense of awareness of what uh, we bring to the table. Join the show by calling into 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press. Gross, and yes! Touchdown, did he get it? Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric Franson and Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. 1069 FM, 1390 AM, streaming on 1069thefan.com and on the 1069thefan mobile app. So we've been talking Aggies. We've been talking a little bit about the Jazz, uh, the Mountain West. We got a college football championship game in about 30 minutes from now. So if you want to text in a score prediction for who's going to win the national championship when it's all said and done, uh, 435-339-0321. Uh, we were just talking during the break. There's some transfer portal updates with Utah State football. Guys that uh, announced that they had entered the portal. Some have new destinations. Uh, and then Utah State has also been active in gaining new players from the portal. Yeah, I know the Daniel Grishik, uh, he, over the weekend, he committed to Cincinnati. Um, he had a lot of Power Five offers. He ended up going to Cincinnati. Of course, Cincinnati's going into the into Power Five, so um, it's not a sideways. It's very much an, an upward. Yes, uh, that's an upgrade. So he's doing well. Byron Vaughns is another guy who's had multiple Power Five offers. I haven't seen if he's committed yet. Um, last he noted, he got an offer from Florida State, among several other Power Fives. But Utah State, as you mentioned, they signed somebody. Um, or at least got a commit from. The now former Stanford wide receiver, Colby Bowman. Uh, he's a former four-star recruit out of, I think, California? I forget exactly where he played his, his high school ball. Um, this guy didn't really play a ton. He would kind of consistently play in games at Stanford, but never really any like real offensive snaps. He's caught seven passes for 44 yards. Uh, that's what he did last year. I think that's his career stats to date anyway, and like, think he uh, spent two or three years at a Stanford. He has two years of eligibility. That's the important thing. So he's he's very much one of these, you know, reclamation projects, the former four-star recruit that you try and hope that the talent's still there. It's not a guarantee by any means. Utah State pulled in a former four-star recruit last year, and he did diddly jack here. Now he's he was in one door and out the next. Well, yes. So it, it's not a guarantee they, oh, he's a former four-star recruit. Okay, that's not. It means the talent is there, but maybe there's also a reason that you know it didn't work out at Stanford. Four-star recruits don't just you know. Well, there's also a coaching change there, and sometimes yeah. that kind of prompts a lot of movement to take <laughs> place among players. Like, I, them, this isn't the guy who recruited me. Uh, I don't know, like the new guy, this new, their philosophy and how I fit in with that. So now it's an opportunity to try to pursue something else. Yeah. These guys got good measurables, 6'3", 200 pounds, classic outside receiver. It's the kind of guy that Utah State needs to bring in at wide receiver. Yes. They're a bit thin there. Uh, the guys they have returning, the experience they have returning is all in the slot. Um, so it gives them a few more options. They have at least one in-house guy that I have confidence in in Otto Tia, but the rest of the guys they got to bring in, either you have to get a lot of elevation from the other in-house guys who have seen vir- virtually no time. 
or hope some of these incoming transfers do well, which they've got a couple of promising transfers that I'm looking forward to seeing in spring ball. So we'll see how they do. So uh, you're continuing to update. You put together kind of a, I don't know what you'd call it, a, a profile of transfers. Yeah, it's basically a transfer tracker. There you uh, go. That's, that's the name of the, I mean, it's not the most unique thing in the world. There's um, ones you can find, but I've kept it updated as much as I can. Um, updated over the weekend, and I keep updating it. And it's pinned on my Twitter profile if you don't know exactly where to find it, but you can find it there. Um, and so I, I continue to update it. So there's, you know, I've, it's got the fact that, uh, it shows all the people who've left Utah state that I've been able to confirm. Um, usually it's just them reporting that they're leaving. They put it on Twitter that they're leaving and that's how we find out typically. Um, and if they've committed somewhere, there's a, there's a couple people who've committed. Um, and then I'm also showing the division one transfers coming into Utah state. Um, this isn't going to cover every recruit coming in. For instance, Utah State signed a junior college guy over the weekend. Uh, that's not on here because I didn't include junior college guys. That's just part of the recruiting class. Right. That'll be part of the uh, you know, February 1st when Blake Anderson will announce that kind of the, the definitive final recruiting class, though even then it's still not really definitive. Yeah, because there will still be guys coming in. But, you know, we had our early signing class article. We have the transfer um tracker and then we will have basically a, a second or i guess you could say a third one where i try and summarize all right these are all the new guys coming in until the next guy comes in <laughs> and then another project i'm working on it's not necessarily gonna be a publication but i have a, an excel spreadsheet where i have every player so far that i'm pretty sure is going to be on the 2023 roster i've had to update it several times for guys leaving and guys coming in where it's got you know i've got all their stats how many snaps they've played what year they are in college what Everything, every bit of information I can possibly throw on there, including their social media profiles, um, and it's just for me, so I can try and <laughs> make sense of this entire roster and have as much information at my disposal. But it's a little labor intensive. Yeah, I was gonna say that's a that's a project. It is. It's I've been working on it for like a week and a half now, and I'm like two thirds of the way done with it. But I have to fit in like between all these other things. I'm like, oh, I keep. It's just like like thirty minutes to like look up all these things. Well, one of those other uh, things that you were doing, which uh, if folks missed it, a really interesting uh, piece you put together over the weekend. Uh, news came uh, last week that Utah State would be retiring um, the the jersey for J.C. Carroll, not the number, but his jersey, hanging it in the rafters. Uh, a special presentation will take place on February eighteenth when Nevada is in town uh, at halftime of that game. And uh, J.C. Carroll, you know, a lot of things that he uh, he did and accomplished while he was at Utah State. Great, tremendous professional career overseas. Absolutely deserving to have his jersey in the rafters at Utah State. And um, and and you put together an interesting profile on uh, other other jerseys or numbers that are in the rafters or retired at Utah State because there there were a good number that I was I kind of familiar with who they were, but I didn't really know what they did. So I'm really glad you put that together. I found it really fascinating looking at some of those other players who have their, their numbers or their jerseys hanging around the uh, the spectrum. Yeah, that was a really fun thing. It's just right up my alley of things just go dig into, dig into some old newspaper articles, dig into some old records, and um, just, yeah, figure out, all right, why is this person, you know, why do they have their number hanging in the rafters? They think, okay, why is Burt Cook up in the rafters? Uh, and 
the one question I need to figure out is why on earth did Burt Cook wear number six? Because as far as I know, that's an illegal number in college. But I guess back then they just didn't care. <laughs> that was the thing I didn't realize until like on air on Friday. I was like, wait a minute, you can't wear number six in college. But this was back in the 50s. And the thing is, you know, Burt Cook, he only had like four records when he retired. But he was like the first really good. And he got drafted to the NBA. So I was like, yeah, this is like the first Aggie great. You know, so that's why. Um, it was kind of like, oh, I'm suddenly spacing on this thing. And the first, like, George Mikan. It's like, mm. is George Mikan, like, you know, the best NBA player? But he was like the first, ag- you know, the first great NBA player. Right. And so that's kind of what Burt Cook is, too. He's like the George Mikan of Utah State. But then you got, you know, Wayne Estes. Okay, kind of duh. <laughs> that's one where <laughs> I like I didn't, I didn't feel like I had to go too much in depth on that one. Part of it is, you know, some people may not know exactly who he is, but still, like, he is the name of Utah State basketball. We also got guys like Greg Grant, Cornell Green, and um, Marvin Roberts. Where it's like, these are guys, you know, back in the day who are on teams that are, you know, we think of, you know, uh, I suddenly spaced his name. <laughs> um, the coach that was here for like 20 years. Stu Morrill. Stu Morrill. <laughs> <laughs> suddenly spacing on names. You know, Stu Morrill, the Craig Smith. Like, you think, oh, those are the great Aggie teams. Like, Marvin Roberts had a team that was ranked ninth in the country. You know, him and Nate Williams. You know, two of the better guys, you know, two of the better pro careers we've ever seen at a, at a Utah State. You know, they were a dominant team. They were beating ranked teams. They were winning games in the NCAA tournament kind of back before it was really the NCAA tournament. But still, those are really good teams. And Wayne Estes going to the NCAA tournament. And Cornell Green playing really well. And then not even playing pro basketball, but going on and playing 13 seasons in the NFL <laughs> and becoming a Super Bowl champion. Yeah. So it's like there's a lot of, you know, cool history with some of these guys. Just the great players that we've seen here at uh, Utah State, and J.C. Carroll very much deserving to be among them. You know, with some of his records, you know, his scoring records probably not going to be broken. He's not for a while. Not for a while. Yeah, and I think that uh, we had a little bit of discussion. Would there be any other uh, modern Aggies who would get their <coughs> jerseys retired? And I think Sam Merrill would be in that discussion. Uh, you know. Four really solid years at USU, multiple trips qualifying the team to go to the NCAA tournament, um, and uh, just an outstanding shooter and a scorer, represented the university really well. Um, so I, I absolutely think Sam would be another one uh, in down the road. At what point does that happen? I don't know. Um, I don't know if you wait to see if he you know, has aspirations of continuing to play basketball professionally. He's in the G League now. Does he – eventually go overseas as you make it back into the NBA. You go 10 years, 15 years like we did with JC. Uh, I don't know, but um, certainly Sam Merrill would be one who's, who's definitely deserving of his time at Utah State to have his jersey retired. Yeah, the president, at least at this point, seems to be wait till they're retired from the sport. Uh, they didn't do that with Burt Cook because they retired his jersey at halftime of the last game he played at Utah State. <laughs> How he, wild is that? He wasn't even done when they retired his number. Um, so that that was uh, interesting. Um, but, yeah, I mean, J.C. Carroll, like I said, we all knew he was going to get his jersey retired. Um, but I guess they were just waiting for him to retire from basketball or something like that. Um, can't imagine there's any other reason. Yeah, it, it's been a little while since somebody's had their jersey retired at Utah State. Yeah, so... Greg Grant was the most recent before JC. Uh, yeah, I don't actually know in what order they were retired. I'd guess Greg's. I think he's the most. I think he's the most recent player. Um, 
So I, I didn't actually look up when they retired any of these jerseys. I probably should have, but... I mean, I know they retired Burke Cook's jersey in like 1959, <laughs> but yeah. but um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't actually look up when they retired them exactly. I know a lot of them went into the Hall of Fame in roughly the same year, um, because they established the Utah State Hall of Fame in 1993. So several of them were put in that year. Except I don't think Burke Cook's in the Utah State Hall of Fame. I couldn't find his name in there. <laughs> he's got his jersey retired, but he's not in the like, Hall of Fame. It has to have been a mistake on my researching, but I specifically looked for it and couldn't find it. Uh, great article, though. Go check it out on CashValleyDaily.com. Um, just finding out more about the other players whose jerseys are retired uh, in the spectrum. Utah State, a rough loss at Boise State on Saturday. And um, one of our pick six items, and we'll, we'll get to that here in just a minute, but was uh, to look at you know, how many Mountain West teams, home teams, would win on Saturday because it's proving to be a tough, tough league <laughs> to, uh, to win games on the road. Um, but um, you know, looking at some of the, the, the teams that hosted, there weren't very many home teams who did win, actually. Boise was one, and um, then uh, Colorado State was the other. And uh, Wyoming lost at home. San Jose lost at home. New Mexico, 21st-ranked New Mexico, lost at home. That was a surprising one because they had, like, their entire, you know, I think they sold that the, the pit out, and they lost. Granted, it's a good UNLV team, but yes. that is a super impressive win by UNLV. It just shows that they are a really good team and very dangerous. Outscored New Mexico by 12 in the second half, uh, ended up winning by... No, seven points, but uh, it really it was a close game. Uh, Nevada won at San Jose. San Diego State won at Wyoming. And Wyoming, even though they've been down like multiple key guys, they still put up a pretty good fight against the Aztecs, and that's who's coming to town next to face the Aggies. Hunter Maldonado has played well against the Aggies before. He's back from injury. A couple other guys are, are missing, but that's a team that's had a lot of guys missing as, over the course of the year. Uh, they've only won five games all year, but they are no pushovers by any means. Yeah, they're tough. Um, and, you know, they're going to have – there's like five guys on their injury report. Um, two of them are, I'm pretty sure, confirmed out for uh, for uh, Tuesday. Three of them are questionable. We'll see. One of them is like their leading scorer on the year um, who's questionable. So we'll we'll have to see or I guess wait and find out. In some cases, because they don't always confirm uh, until, you know, they submit their starters. Um, but, yeah, Wyoming's going to be a tough one. And, you know, even even though they're injured, even though they've lost, like, five straight games uh, and, in, and injured a heck and back, still going to be a tough opponent. Still going to be hard to win, you know, even though it's at home. That's just the way it's going to be. We've said it time and time again. Every game in the Mountain West is going to be hard to win. There's not been an easy win yet for the Aggies, and I doubt there's going to be an easy win. I mean, maybe when Air Force comes to town, that feels like, you know, on paper, that's the easiest game, and I'm still not convinced Utah State will make an easy game of that just because the Mountain West is so hard uh, this year. Yeah, great, great teams, great basketball in the Mountain West. Um, and uh, the, the other home game, like we said, that uh, – our team, home team that won was Colorado State, who beat Fresno State, um, and beat them pretty handily, seventy-nine to fifty-seven. 
Fresno State needs to figure out who they are because they like play really well against the Aggies. They like beat New Mexico. They lose to Colorado State <laughs> by like twenty two points. Like, who are you? Very, <laughs> bizarre. Uh, but looking at the the net, you know, it's common function that we like to look at, especially on Mondays, just kind of a recap of kind of where things stand in the Mountain West after the week that was. And San Diego State is now the top team in the net at 23. Utah State didn't fall very far. They're at 26. Uh, Nevada at 29. And Boise State at 35. New Mexico drops to 50. Kind of surprising that a couple of games that they've dropped here recently. Fresno State, then UNLV. Uh, UNLV is at 53. Uh, and then there's a bit of a gap here between the next Mountain West team and Colorado State at 108. Uh, San Jose at 113, and uh, Air Force at 166, Fresno at 190, and uh, Wyoming at 200. I forgot to do my uh, weekly like average of all the ranks thing this morning. Might have to just scramble and do it after the show. Just like, all right, got to get this in. <laughs> or maybe just do it Tuesday morning. I did it Tuesday last week, but I had an excuse to do it on Tuesday last week because we had a holiday on Monday. But still, it's, I like to do it as a weekly, like, check-in of not just, you know, NET, but everything. Right, Ken know. Palm and others. Yeah, there's like nine different computer ranks I'm using at this point. Yeah, I mean, but there's still six teams that are in the top 60 Yeah, uh, of the of the net. And so it, that's one thing that we kind of worried about with the Mountain West cannibalize itself. Some good teams at the top, would they just all kind of take turns beating each other and then bringing the, the conference down a little bit. But as long as... That's Utah State's, like, maybe only road loss, which may be a bit asking too much. But if they, at least if they don't lose, if it was a quad one loss, so it's not really bad. As long as they don't have any bad road losses or, or even home losses, really, any more, any bad losses on their record, um, then I think they'll still be okay because this conference is. The the top level, the top half, is playing really good basketball still. And the interesting thing is that you mentioned that Utah State didn't drop too far, even though they lost by, like, 20 points. So I'm wondering, like, that was a worry I've brought up. It, it, that My theory might get challenged if the NET doesn't, you know, drop the Mountain West teams that far when they're beating each other. My theory may be a bit unfounded. Um, so I'm going to have to pay attention and see, all right, that is still a worry if the Mountain West beats each other up too much. But do they fall too far? Because you mentioned, you, know, what, six, you said six teams in the top 60? Yeah. Um, if they all roughly stay there, you're probably getting four of them into the tournament, which is about on the edge is about as much as I think they could get in. Um, so if, if not too many of the teams, like if you're getting like four in the top 40, because being in the top 40 is – probably fairly safe in the NET. I wouldn't bet on it because I don't, I don't really trust the NCAA tournament, um, the the selection committee. But I imagine if the Mountain West can end with four teams in the top four, they can probably get all four of those teams in. Well, right now they've got four in the top 35. Yeah, so I think, you know, we'll, we'll see. When they start beating each other, because they will, because these teams play each other and that means one of them has to lose, We'll need to pay attention to will they far as fall as far as much as maybe I thought they did, but I guess that's not the worry. My worry is the Fresno State's beating Nevada, you know the UNLV or Fresno State beating New Mexico. Excuse me, 
Um, UNLV beating New Mexico, okay, that happens. We'll see if that impacts maybe New Mexico falling too far or Boise State beating Utah State as Utah State fall too far. Right now, they haven't fallen too far. Um, so we'll see. I'm going to have to keep an eye on that theory because, yeah, my theory was I'm worried it's going to cannibalize itself and you end up with only two teams in the tournament. But early returns say, okay, even with some upsets, even with some surprise victory or, you know, upsets, we haven't seen teams fall too far. So I'll have to keep an eye on what my initial worry was and see if it's founded or not. Right now, New Mexico is the only Mountain West team with a winning record in quad one games, and they're 1-0. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody else is either... Wait, uh, who's, who's that quad one game against? Uh, oh, that's a good question. Was that the St... Did they play St. Mary's, or is that Iona? No, well, it's probably the Iona game. It's probably what that was. Yeah, I'm sure it was the Iona game. But everybody else is either like one and one or two and two or one and two or th- you know uh, even or or losing record in quad one games. It's hard to have a winning record in quad one games unless you're just really good. Just doesn't happen very much. Uh, more on that, and uh, also we've got some of your score predictions for tonight's uh, college football championship game. Love to get more of those. We'll get to some of those texts. Also, uh, pick six. Who won pick six for us this week? If we tried to predict. What was going to happen this weekend? We'll see how close we were. Uh, and uh, boy, a lot more to still discuss. Utah State, uh, Utah Jazz. Uh, we got high school hoops, Region 11. Now we're shifting to region play. The latest RPI has been released. We'll update you on all that coming up on the Full Court Press. Hi, this is Tyler. Recently, my father passed away, and White Pine provided the funeral services for our family. They were friendly, thoughtful, and attentive to every detail. You know, it isn't often that a loved one passes away, so it was very important to my family that everything be handled just right. Because my dad was loved by so many people, we had a lot of family and friends that traveled from out of town. I really appreciate how White Pine Funeral Services made sure everyone was comfortable and that the focus was where it needed to be, on my dad and my family. They really took care of us during this tender time. Alpine Home Medical has been around for over 25 years. Can you believe that? Hi, I'm Jay Broadbent. What keeps us coming to work every day? We're passionate about caring for you. From home and bathroom safety to transportation, mobility, recovery, oxygen, sleep, and more, come into any of our 10 locations today and let us take care of you. Alpine Home Medical, we bring wellness home. Visit us at alpinehomemedical.com. Has inflation got you down? This is Zach with HSA Depot. Did you know you can save money by using your pre-tax income to buy qualifying medical supplies? Health savings and flex spending accounts can be used for more than just doctor visits and prescriptions. HSA Depot helps you conquer your health care by providing HSA and FSA eligible products, taking the guesswork out of the process. Come to HSA Depot next to Sally Beauty and see how much you can save. HSA Depot, five-star review. Cubex Fitness is offering their best deal of the year. For a limited time, become a Cubex member and get your first two months for free. Then only pay $15 per month with no contract. Receive the Cubex Nutritional Guide ebook for free. Work out at Cubex with their virtual trainers in complete privacy without any concerns or distractions or comparisons. Make 2023 your year. Achieve your goals at Cubex Fitness in Logan. $75 cancellation fee at time of cancellation. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. 
Georgia and TCU square off here in about well, five minutes from now for the yeah, national more championship. Like 15 minutes. That's true. The, the broadcast begins here shortly. Yeah, the, the broadcast began like uh, I guess they've had seven a, hours ago. <laughs> that's true. They've had quite the lead up, but uh, it, it's it's getting close. We'll just put it that way. It's getting close. It's supposed to. It's scheduled to kick off in five minutes. It'll actually kick off in like ten fifteen. So I'll start watching it in the middle of our show. So if you don't hear from me for the last twenty minutes of the show, <laughs> we know where Jason disappeared <laughs> to. Uh, so. Uh, interesting to see kind of the the, the paths here uh, to get to this point for the college football championship. Georgia is favored by thirteen and a half in this one. Let's take some of your score predictions. Five two four two texting into the program. Georgia thirty eight, TCU seventeen, and four seven eight one TCU thirty seven, Georgia thirty four. Yes, there's some optimism for TCU. I'm surprised they got this far. I thought TCU was going to get their butts kicked by Michigan. They certainly did not. Um, then Georgia dang near lost. So uh, it was actually really nice that there were some close, actually exciting college football uh, playoff games. I've ragged on the college football playoff for being categorically the worst playoff, um, both in terms of amount of participation relative to who probably should be eligible, but also... The fact that it was actually kind of justified there were only four teams because there was always blowouts. <laughs> yeah, um, the semifinal al- games were never really that entertaining, yeah. never that close. Even championship games weren't even that entertaining. We could still have a blowout. The best games in the college football playoff may have already happened. Um, I'm hoping not. I'm hoping we're going to get a good one out of TCU in Georgia. Um, I'm rooting for TCU just because I like new blood coming into the, the championship uh, race there instead of just always Georgia and always Ohio State and always Michigan and Alabama and Clemson and Oklahoma, and you know, even though I'm an Oklahoma-born kid, <laughs> and I kind of root for Oklahoma, it's it's nice to see uh, uh, new teams getting in there. And, and so the semifinal games were really exciting, down to the wire. Uh, you know, TCU jumps up uh, on T- on Michigan, and then Michigan comes back on them. A lot of second half scoring in that game. It again came down to the wire. Controversial calls. They got a lot of people talking. Uh, and then Georgia and Ohio State. Uh, Georgia, uh, well, Ohio State has a halftime lead. Looks like they're pulling away. They're going to take command of this game. And then Georgia, 18 fourth quarter points. Then it comes down to a missed field goal by Ohio State at the end. I mean, dramatic fashion. It's really, really fun and exciting games. Can we expect anything similar tonight? Or did not all the excitement get spent just a few weeks ago? Yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, I'm, I, all I want is a, is a close exciting game when you can get that out of the college football playoff you are way ahead because normally you do not get it there have not been very many exciting college football championships there have been some yes there have been some but they've been the exception rather than the rule uh six eight nine one i want tcu to roll georgia um i don't know that that's going to happen but uh, georgia's a really good football team but looking at this this matchup uh, Georgia's undefeated. They deserve to be there. Uh, and they've handled their business, and they've won a lot of games. They've been really good at what they do. TCU, maybe there's a little bit of luck. I don't know, but they have found ways to keep winning games. I'm totally shocked to see them in the championship game. Never would have guessed that TCU would be the team, in the even in the semifinals, but here they are. They keep finding ways to win. So 
uh, who am I to go against the, the Horned Frogs when they've done what they've done? But at the same time, I look at Georgia and what their body of work is, and, boy, I, I just have a hard time picking against the Bulldogs. Yeah, we'll see. It seemed like Ohio State and Georgia were probably the two you know, best teams uh, in, in college football, but obviously Michigan was <laughs> really good, and TCU managed to beat them, so I don't know. Um, it, it's hard to say because these two teams, you know, these two, there's not a lot of crossover. You just kind of have to guess, like, is the SEC that much better than the Big 12? Is TCU good despite playing in the Big 12? You know, they're not playing the SEC schedule. They're not playing the the Big 10 schedule. But who knows? They could just be better. I don't know. All that matters is the next, you know, four hours, or however long this game lasts. <laughs> it'll, it'll push. It'll probably push four. All the commercial breaks and extended halftime. It's absurd. <laughs> I know. The, uh, the turning the halftime show of a big game into a concert is the biggest mistake that's ever been made. <laughs> except for the blue turf at Boise State. <laughs> except, yeah, it's, just, it's hard to top that. Uh, again, if you uh, want to give you your uh, score predictions for the championship game tonight, 435-339-0321. Uh, 6891 says, I know it probably won't happen. He was cheering for a uh, TCU to roll. Georgia. Uh, it could. I mean, it still could. Uh, you know what? Um, Coach Kirby Smart was um, <clears throat> he was not, he really wasn't praising his quarterback after his team um, was able to survive Ohio State, even though <laughs> uh, um, Bennett did a great job in that fourth quarter and getting in positions to to score and to win, ultimately to win. So I found it a little weird, uh, and so I don't know if there's going to be some carryover from that or just learning experience or not, but certainly Georgia's a team that has a lot more experience in this situation. Um, but will they be, as we heard Dan Patrick a little bit ago, will they be one of the few teams to hoist a national cha- championship trophy in successive years? Because only seven other teams have done it. Yeah, it's really hard to do, and especially in a you know more modern era like this, because if you get a team – that's national championship worthy, usually you send like 20 guys to the NFL. You know, that happened to LSU where they put together one of the best seasons in college football history and half their team went and, you know, got drafted in like the first or second round. And then they went back to being, you know, what LSU normally is. Like good, but not good enough to win, uh, obviously, national title or win the SEC on consistently. Alabama's been the only one who's able to do it sort of consistently where – that's why they're one of the best dynasties in history is because they send 20 guys to the NFL every year and then they replace them with 20 NFL caliber guys. Um, I don't know how they keep doing it. Georgia, they're starting to be able to do it. They're starting to build a sort of Alabama-esque, um, at least for a short period of time. Clemson was doing the same thing. Of course, then they fell off a little bit. Um, I say fell off. They're in the back end of the top 10, so it's not like they fell very far, but... They fell out of the, you know, where Alabama was always in the playoffs. So who knows? And I was, there, there's part of me that, you know, I wanted Georgia to win it last year. Because, again, get new blood, new teams winning the national title. Now that they're back, it's uh, different feelings. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, a couple of different things. There is a report that Ryland Jones will be ruled out against Wyoming tomorrow uh, due to injury. That's been confirmed. Now, there's some question about uh, what his availability would be. I mean, it doesn't come as a surprise. 
what uh, we don't know is how long he'll remain out. Yeah, and they're they're not really disclosing what the injury is, and because I got I was asking Al Al Lewis, who's there at the availability, he was telling me is like, you know, they're they're not really disclosing what the injury is. Um, we can speculate, but obviously we don't know, and yeah, they aren't uh, wanting to, uh, you know, they want to keep that private. Which fair enough. Was amateur sports? Yeah, due to injury. Yeah, that's why he will be missing. So we'll 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 see how long that is. Um, so we'll expect uh, Stephen Ashworth back in the starting lineup. Uh, all right, another timeout here in the full court press. When we come back, how did we do on trying to predict the the weekend? In uh, looking for a couple of different uh, uh, items that were going to take place, we set our lines or pick six. We'll reveal how well we did, and also the other thing that was revealed today: the latest RPI standings for. 4A basketball. So, what does that stand uh, for Region 11? Any movement there? Any changes as those teams will now shift their focus to region play? Non region games are now done, and region play will get underway on Thursday. So, we'll talk about that coming up next on the Full Court Press. Experts tell us that the three areas of balance for proper health are exercise, nutrition, and sleep. This is Ryan, owner of My Mattress. And while My Mattress Store can't really help with exercise and nutrition, we can help with better sleep. If a person started today to live a balanced life in health, exercise, and sleep, uh, three things might happen. One, we might throw away the bag of peanut M&Ms that we have stashed. Two, we might get up off the couch and exercise. And three, we'd come buy a new mattress here at My Mattress. It's that first kiss, that moment in time It's that look in her eye When you get the first sign We make it personal, you know when it's real Something for everyone, we know how you feel Jarrett's Fine Jewelry Make it special, make it Jarrett's Nothing compares to the warmth and feel that a wood stove provides. The two-time Best of Northern Utah winning team says there's never been a better time to replace your old inefficient wood stove and install a new energy-efficient EPA-certified Vermont casting wood product in your home. The U.S. government is offering federal tax credits of 26% on your wood stove install. For Vermont casting units, that includes stoves, binning, and labor. Call or email Advanced Fireplace and Stove for a free in-home estimate. Call 435-752-7272 or go to advancedfireplaceandstove.com. It's never too late or too cold to get rid of that old vehicle. Now is the time to earn extra cash by calling DD Auto and Salvage. Let them pay you for that junk vehicle. DD Auto and Salvage makes it so easy and fast to get rid of your junker vehicles by paying you the most money possible. Pickup is available. If you have metal, DD Auto and Salvage and Logan wants to pay you today. Call 787-1204. That's 787-1204 today. See store for details. They never could play it, but they sure can talk about it. Eric Franson and Jason Walker on the Full Court Press. Yes, that's us, Eric Franson and Jason Walker. We're here on the Full Court Press. Yep. Allegedly. Allegedly. Love to get your texts if you uh, want to chime in, 435-339-0321. If you want to give us a score prediction for the College Football National Championship game, which will be getting underway here shortly, 435-339-0321.
chime in. Uh, in the meantime, let's see how well we did in trying to predict what would happen this past weekend. Our pick six, uh, six things we think might happen. Jason takes three, I take three. Um, so let's see how well we did. Uh, Lowry Markinen, points plus rebounds plus assists at Chicago, set the line at 37.5. I took the under, you took the over. I immediately regretted the number, thinking it should be much higher based on his current trajectory that he was on. Turns out that was a pretty good number. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was keeping an eye on this one. Because <laughs> he had scored 28 points, he only grabbed four rebounds, and only had three assists. So the number was 35. So it's one for me. I got that one. Yeah, for some reason he decided to not grab rebounds after averaging like a double-double for <laughs> I know. He was playing six straight games. Monster. Uh, Zihamoda points at Boise State. Set the line at seven and a half. I uh, took the under. You took the over. He did not score a single bucket in that game. A little uncharacteristic. Uh, who would have more passing yards in an NFL game between Aaron Rodgers and Jared Goff? Uh, Aaron Rodgers threw for 205 yards. Jared Goff threw for 224. I took Goff. You took Rodgers. <laughs> Not having a very good day. <laughs> so far, I'm three for three. This is, like, very uncharacteristic. Uh, wins by the Jazz Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday over a three-game span. Line was set at one and a half. How many wins would they get in that three-game span? Uh, line was set at one and a half. We both took the under. And we both got it right because they only won one. It's that game in Houston. Yeah. Uh, wins by home teams in the Mountain West on Saturday. Um, I took the over. You took the under. The line was set at one and a half. There are actually two home teams who won. So I got that right. So far, I'm a perfect five for five. <laughs> Come down to the, this one. Uh, Boise State over USU. Line was set at uh, Boise State by a point and a half. Uh, you took Boise State. I took USU. Boise State crushed that one so uh so i yeah even though you got the last one i'm i'm finding myself back in the win column <laughs> there you go <laughs> at last you got to win i know kind of feels weird now i'm used to losing all of a sudden <laughs> i don't like it it's because i showed faith in uh the jazz and the aggies and z Hamoda and, and apparently you know, and aaron <laughs> Rodgers, and uh my faith was misplaced apparently <laughs> uh yes uh, another quick time out here in the full court press before we fully step aside we'll get an update on things that happened in the mountain west and we've kind of touched on them but uh, the mountain west conference produces a segment for us here on the full court press on the other side we'll talk about um what's going on with region 11 basketball the latest rpi rankings are out and non-region play is done Jason, you've put together uh, kind of a region profile that recaps the season to this point with the latest RPI rankings as uh, region play gets underway on Thursday. It's kind of a unique uh, schedule from what we're used to because the boys would normally play on Wednesdays and Fridays, but for the first little bit of, of region play, they'll be on a Thursday, Tuesday, Tuesday, Thursday. Yeah, they're starting on schedule. Thursday. So it's going to be Thursday and then Tuesday and then Thursday. Yeah, it's a little funky. But we'll uh, give you a run, full rundown of what's going on there. And uh, continue to get your score predictions for the championship game tonight. 435-339-0321. This is your Mountain West Basketball Update with 
Matt Neverett. Plenty to cover with five games on Saturday around the Mountain West. Everybody but Air Force in action around the conference. Nevada got the day started with a stifling 67-40 win on the road at San Jose State. Nick Davidson dropped a game-high 15 points with nine boards off the Wolfpack bench. Here's John Ramey on Learfield with one of the freshman's makes. Right side Keenan at the elbow. Gives it to Davidson, right side three, Nick hits! Colorado State earned their first Mountain West win in four tries with a 79-57 home victory over Fresno State thanks to every starter scoring nine points or more and a combined 48% three-point shooting performance as a team. Both sides will head on the road this week with the Bulldogs traveling to San Jose State on Tuesday and Colorado State waiting until Saturday night in Las Vegas to take on the running Rebels of UNLV. In the tightest game around the conference on Saturday, San Diego State held on to a one-point halftime advantage in an eventual 80-75 win in Laramie over a battered Wyoming squad. Lamont Butler went off in the Aztecs' 12th win of the year, dropping a season-high 23 points on 8-15 of shooting, including a 5-for-11 mark from beyond the arc. Matt Bradley chipped in with 18 points as well in 31 minutes as San Diego State moved into second in the conference with a 3-0 mark to this point. Boise State sniped their way to a win over Utah State, shooting 50% from the field and a striking 58% from three-point range in an 82-59 conference win over the Aggies in Boise. Tyson Dagenhart dominated down low, finishing with a 19-point, 10-rebound double-double with all five Broncos starters scoring in double digits in the game. Down low to Dagenhart. Dickenhart catches and pops it in with a little two-footer underneath. Bob Beeler called the action for this one on Learfield. Both sides remain tied for third in the Mountain West with two and one conference records. And in the game of the night around the conference, UNLV traveled to the sold-out pit in Albuquerque for a date with Richard Patino's Lobos. The home side led by five at the half, but a dominant second from running Rebel guard E.J. Harkless guided the Rebels to an 84-77 conference win their first of the year. Here's John Sandler with the call of one of Harkless's vital makes late in the game. Rodriguez a pump fake, comes all the way under the basket, out to Harkless, long three for E.J. Is good, and the Rebels have tied it up. And that's your Mountain West basketball update. I'm Matt Neverett. Thermo Fisher Scientific is hiring for their manufacturing, distribution, and warehouse team. And that's great news for anyone seeking a rewarding career. Thermo Fisher offers positions across multiple shifts, competitive compensation, health benefits, paid time off, bonuses, and an excellent work environment. Help Thermo Fisher make the world healthier, cleaner, and safer. Visit jobs.thermofisher.com and search Logan. Thermo Fisher Scientific is an equal opportunity employer. Cash Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat is locally owned and operated inside the beautiful new Three Peaks Medical Plaza in North Logan. Expect the most cutting-edge techniques, qualified doctors, and friendly staff to ensure the highest quality patient care. The ENT providers have extensive training to properly treat ear, nose, and throat conditions for adults and children. Cash Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat serves all of northern Utah and southern Idaho, accepting most insurance products, including SelectMed. Go to CashValleyENT.com for appointments and details. Cash Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat, located in North Logan and Providence. Experience Sunday brunch at Prodigy Brewing on Center Street. Churro French toast, beignets and berries, and everyone's favorite chili quiles. A delicious combination of eggs, house-made enchilada sauce, tortilla chips, avocado, and pico. Brunch has an all-new meaning of tasty when you visit Prodigy Brewing. Serve Sundays 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Prodigy's atmosphere is vibrant, energetic, and friendly. Whether it's with family or friends, Sunday brunch at Prodigy Brewing is a delicious experience. Prodigy Brewing, exceptional food, extraordinary service, and family-friendly on Center Street in downtown Logan. Let's talk about getting your car registered. What a pain. With registration and emissions, it takes hours. Valvoline Instant Oil Change in Logan, across from Angie's, will take that pain away. Stop in to get your oil changed and have the emissions test done. Then re-register your car. It's that easy, all in one stop. The best thing? You can stay in your car while their trained pros service your vehicle. Valvoline Instant Oil Change, 695 North Main. Open seven days a week. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan.
Mark Franson, Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. You still have time to turn on the championship game. You haven't missed anything. Yeah, it's not started yet. It is on the cusp of starting, though. They've done the coin toss, and they're doing some other things. So uh, the players are about to walk onto the field for uh, the kickoff, or I assume they are. They keep panning between a bunch of different things, and it feels like they're about to start. <laughs> but who knows? Who well, knows? Here they are. They're on the field. So if you haven't turned it on, you have about 28 seconds. Probably uh, less. So the latest RPI rankings have been released. Yeah, that's good for college football. Just no segue. Straight yeah. to high school. We're just going straight to high school. Uh, high school hoops. Uh, Utah High School Activities Association reveals uh, RPI rankings on Mondays for the latest um, rankings and standings. Um, region standings don't really matter anymore. It's all about the RPI. They do if you're the top. If you want to get the region. Do they still hand out a trophy for doing it? I don't know. If they hang a, add it to a banner or put a trophy somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. It was weird because, like, this year, like, there were a bunch of people saying there was a tie, but based on, like, conventional tiebreakers, I think it was, wasn't it Skyview? Uh, that one football region, I think, or, was it, or it's Ridgeline? Uh, I, well, Skyview beat Ridgeline yeah, in Ridgeline, except, at Ridgeline. Yeah, except I, th- and I think they ended up, like, tying and, like, somebody else said, but it was, like, Based on conventional tiebreakers, Skyview clearly, but there are people saying, oh, they tied for reach. I was like, no, they didn't. Skyview won the tiebreaker. <laughs> well, <laughs> anyway, so the latest RPI standings are out, and the uh, non-region play is done. So it gives us a chance to kind of look at where things are in the standings um, and, and the latest rankings for RPI and uh, for both boys and girls. Uh, you put together uh, a, a piece that focuses on boys' basketball for Region 11 and with profiles of each team, kind of what's got them to this point, what their rankings are, and what it looks like for them going into region play starting on Thursday. Yeah, so right now, like, Skyview, they're at the top of RPI. They're ranked one. Um, they came into the season as the pretty much consensus favorites to win Region 11. They've done nothing to dissuade anyone of that opinion. Um, they're looking very good. They're 10-2, and two, again, top of RPI. They look like a really good basketball team right now. Um, not too far behind them, though, is Ridgeline. Ridgeline, we put a lot of faith in them when we did our preseason predictions. We both said, okay, Ridgeline's lost a lot of guys, but we really trust what Kyle Day's been doing down there. Um, and they've uh, proved us right so far. They're 9-2. and two. They're fourth in... Uh, RPI, they're looking really good. They got Luke Sorensen down there playing some really good basketball. Might be one of the best players in Region 11 right now, at least individual players. Um, so they're they're playing some really good ball. Um, but if a surprise team though is Bear River, this is a team that we were probably both thinking maybe toward the bottom end of the standings. Well, they're fifth in RPI and they're nine and three, so they're doing pretty good. They've seemed to turn things around. They've got Kyra Jensen and uh, Garrick Marble down there. Marble's leading the region in rebounding, a little over eight rebounds per game. Jensen's just had back-to-back really good games. Just before the new year, he put up 34 points. It was 34 35 points. He put up 25 the other night. Um, he's one of the nominees for Player of the Week this week. Um, and so Bear River, they're looking pretty good right now. 
Yeah, good start for the Bears, and uh, there's some uncertainty. They they graduated quite a few of their guys. We didn't know, you know what uh, what key players they'd have coming back, and they've uh, they've played really well. They've gone on the road. They've played well. They've played well in tournaments, uh, and uh, they've scheduled well. Uh, and uh, puts them right there. Yeah, number five, nine and three overall. It's certainly one of the big surprises out of uh, out of Region Eleven so far. In a, there's one team that's a surprise in a good way, and there's a one team that's a surprise not so good way. Certainly, Bear River is that team that's a surprise in a good way. Didn't see that coming. Yeah, we'll get to the team that's a surprise in a bad way. But Logan is a team that's you know we kind of saw this coming a little bit where there were there were coaches in Region Eleven who were pointing out, hey, Logan's going to be pretty good this year, and Logan's been. They've been good. They're eight and five. They've shown that they look really good against lesser teams. They are blowing out teams that you know maybe have some big weaknesses. Maybe don't have a good defense. You know they've won games by 30, 40 points. They've struggled a bit against better teams. Um, you know that they, they lost to Preston. They were kind of blown out of that game, and then they came back later. You know, really good Preston team. Uh, Woods Cross. They struggled against them. You know, good defensive team. They struggled. Almost pulled off a comeback against Box Seller, just couldn't quite do it um, in a game that was really exciting. Uh, but ultimately, they came up short by three points there. So Logan has shown great potential on offense and even on defense, where they do you know a bit of a, a half-court trap um, defense and a zone defense, where they can force turnovers really well. Um, but sometimes they're just inconsistent. Sometimes they have turnovers. Sometimes they make mistakes. It's just they're on the cusp of being a really good team. And maybe if they fixed a couple of those things, they'd be right on par with Ridgeline and Skyview. So we'll see how that goes. Maybe they're a year out from, from being that, because a lot of these guys will be coming back next year. Um, maybe this is just kind of the, the breakout year before the real breakout year. Um, but Logan has a chance to knock a couple of teams off if they catch him off guard, especially going into the Grizzly Den. Um, then uh, Mountain Crest, they're a team that's, in a similar boat, they have a worse record, but like every game they've been in, they've been competitive. Even against good teams, like three of their losses are by two points or less. Yeah, another, very scrappy team. Yeah, another one was by five points. So like, there's one game where they were truly blown out, and that was Box Elder. They went on the road to Box Elder, who again is a good team, and they lost by like 20-some points. Um, so this is a team, Mount Crest, they have one of the better defenses in terms of points per game. I don't know if that's just a slower pace thing, but everyone in Region 11 seems to want to play fast. So Mountain Crest, they have a good defense. They can play scrappy, and so teams that go up to Hiram, they're going to have to earn a win. You know, like I said, you know, Logan kind of got blown out by Preston. Mountain Crest lost by two to Preston. Like, <laughs> a really good Preston team. Um, so teams beware when you go to Hiram. You might be in for a surprise. Um, Mountain Crest may not be at the top of the standings when it's all said and done because there's some weaknesses probably with that team, particularly in offense where they struggle to score a bit. They may not end up at the top of the standings, but they might knock off a team or two. Like, you know, Logan, who are going to be chasing the Ridgeline and Skyviews, they might go to Hiram and get knocked off. Even if they finish above Mountain Crest in the standings, they might lose a game there. Or maybe Ridgeline or Skyview. <laughs> like, it's possible that Mountain Crest um, finishes fourth or fifth but has a couple of Surprise wins. Yeah, and then uh, the, the team that's kind of surprised us that struggled so far this year is Green Canyon. Um, you know, Coach uh, Logan Brown there. I know that they lost some key players to graduation uh, last season, but the, they still felt like there was going to be enough 
talent coming back that they'd be in a lot more games than what we've seen them. Uh, well, I should say they've been in a lot of games, haven't been able to win a lot of games. They've only won three on the year so far. Uh, they've been competitive, but they've struggled to get over the hump. And that's been a little bit of a surprise for Green Canyon. I think you and I both expect that they'd be a little bit more competitive, in the, at least with wins and losses. Uh, not to say they haven't been competitive, but have a few more wins and losses than what they've had so far. Yeah, and especially with uh, Jared Anderson playing as well as he is. He put up 32 points the other night. He's been one of the better scorers in Region 11. Um, but I think overall efficiency, you know, Anderson's struggled a bit efficiency-wise. He'll put up a lot of shots, he, his scores, but again, he's kind of like the rest of his team. I'm not trying to place blame on him or just say the offense for them struggles a little bit. Um, he's clearly a talented kid, but I think right now they're in a position where maybe they're just not getting the right shots. Um, and maybe that's a bit of a difference is if they're able to get the right shots, they'll be more consistent because we figure they had the talent. Just right now they seem to not be quite putting it together. So we'll see how things go. Um, in some cases, maybe there just has to be a team that's the worst. Maybe that's just how it's going to be this year for Mountain Cre- or Green Canyon. Um, even though there's some talented kids uh, on this team. Uh, and you mentioned Box Elder, just to l- update on where they're at in the latest 5A standings. They are at number five in the latest RPI. And so you know they're doing really well in, in 5A. And Rich, uh, Rich High School, number eight. They're at seven and four overall in the 1A standings. And when you look at uh, you know the girls' basketball for Region 11, Ridgeline still has not lost a game. Uh, the Riverhawks have had some close ones, uh, or a game just this past weekend where it was a, uh, uh, a battle of two undefeated teams in Millville. It was, uh, I believe, it was Bountiful who came up to town, and Ridgeline handed Bountiful their first loss. But uh, Ridgeline remains undefeated at number one overall. Green Canyon right behind him at number two. Uh, Skyview at number three. At Mountain Crest at number six, so and Bear River at number seven. So we got a lot of really good basketball happening uh, for the uh, in in girls basketball in in region play. Yeah, and uh, you know you mentioned Ridgeline beating Bountiful. Bountiful's a really good girls basketball program, and so Ridgeline keeping on top, beating them. And Bountiful uh, is number two right now in five A RPI. Yeah, they're they're pretty good. So um, yeah, I got to go out and see Ridgeline. I got to see. I gotta see this team in person. I see the numbers. I see the accomplishments. I've seen Ridgeline in the past. I've seen Ings, you know, Jenks, Coach Jenks. I've seen her teams, uh, but I gotta go see it again because <laughs> they're doing something special right now. Uh, by the way, Box Elder in five A girls basketball. They're number sixteen. They're at six and six. Uh, and uh, Rich, they're number one in one A. Their girls basketball team is uh, with the record of eight and one overall. Number one team. In uh, 1A basketball, by the way, uh, Logan in uh, Region 11 and 4A, they are at 13 with a uh, record of 1 and 11. So uh, we'll have uh, region play starting this week. First games uh, will uh, take place on Thursday. So teams have a little bit of time to spend in the gym to work out some kinks and uh, really take on the second part of the season with uh, region play starting later this week. We'll have full play. Uh, broadcasts on our family radio stations and streaming on cashvalleydaily.com.